So this is the Grouchy Club. I'm a gibbering wreck. I'm John Fleming, a gibbering wreck still from the Edinburgh Fringe, which uh, ended a week ago. And with me is... Uh, and I'm Kate Copstick, and I can confirm he is a gibbering wreck. He's already offered to film the proceedings and then announced that he was going to turn the tape on. Because I'm that sort of guy. I'm sort of an old-fashioned kind of guy, but I'm... I'm, I'm You're not bouncing back from Edinburgh the way I thought you might, John. No, I, I left this week and next week is sort of vaguely empty because I knew it was going to take that long to recover. I mean, I'm a gib- gibbering rat to begin with, normally, but, you know, even more of a gibbering rat now. I, uh, I, mean, I t- wanted to have a week off. <laughs> week off, see what I did? <laughs> Scottish joke. Um... But uh, well, it just doesn't work out that way. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about the fringe, aren't we? Had had a fringe early on in the fringe. The BBC was asking you, uh, uh, who, who's the buzz about? And you basically said, I think, well, there isn't really a buzz about anyone, and it wasn't really except Richard Gad. Except Richard Gad, whose show you couldn't get into. For, I know for about show show one or show two. I mean, people were arriving like forty five minutes early to queue. I, know. I, I believe I, I bet somebody actual money. I'm just hoping they're not listening to this and don't remember. Actual money, you mean Scottish actual money? Actual money, yeah. uh, that Gad would win the panel prize. Because it just seemed an obvious... In the same way that they gave Adrian Truscott's show, mm. which was, you know, too big and too scary to put on the main list. So, But, but obviously, with, with mountains of merit, that's now the new collective noun uh, for merit, mountains of merit... Um, and Gad's show was extraordinary. I mean, it was it was incredible, powerful, clever. Um, for, for, I, for, for people who weren't there, and uh, uh, Richard Gad's show wasn't nominated for any Foster's Awards of any kind. It was nominated for a Malcolm Hardy Award, but didn't get either. Uh, so rather sadly. Anyway, carry on. Well, not sadly. It, I mean, it, it was very worthy. It was just. I mean, it it kicked so much. You know ass on so many levels all his shows do hmm. and um, I, I I wasn't you know uh, I, I didn't feel anything was any you know untoward when he didn't appear on the nominations list because I just thought well obviously for, for the Fosters for, for, yeah for they'll give him hmm. the panel prize and then he didn't get that that is because it was the only show in Edinburgh that there was any buzz about and you know, it it was unjustifiably. Oh God, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, you know, quite brilliant. Um, and it wasn't going to get a Foster's Award, a proper Foster's Award, because it wasn't straight enough. I think uh, that it, it they wouldn't have put it on the main list. Number one, because it wasn't really a live show; it was a multimedia show, and there was a lot. I mean, probably more than half of it was on film. Mm. Uh, number two... Tape readers. Tape. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, although the, the award is for the show. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I think that, um, uh, you know, the fact that there were many other people in it uh, and that Richard Gadd didn't appear until the last ten minutes, which was part of the cleverness of it. It was called Waiting for Gaddo. And I think everybody thought, oh, right, he's going to do the thing where he turns up late. But I don't think anyone expected that he wouldn't actually turn up until the last ten minutes. <laughs> and it was brilliantly done. Because, and it was uh, brilliantly done. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the Fosters is given to the show. Yeah. So, the, uh, I don't know, either it was too scary, you know, and, and um, they, you know, the, the judges couldn't see it immediately migrating to Dave or something like that. Um, 
or they felt that the fact that it was so multimedia got in the way. But there was, you know, there was a lot of live stuff going on. And this is, you know, this might be the way forward. You know, everybody, like for, for you know, Dave Gorman has won prizes and half his show is on a, a, a computer screen. And he paved the way for a lot of other, well, not that he is, but he paved the way for a lot of dull comics with insufficient jokes to make up an hour to decide that they could fill the gaps where a decent comic would have jokes or something interesting to say by showing something on a screen. Um, it's... But, but Gad, Gad was brilliant. But Gad was brilliant. Uh, uh, and uh, the re so the, the Foster's Awards, which used to be the Perrier's... Uh, the, the, the... And still in many people's minds are. The, the, the panel prize is sort of for a show that should have won, but they couldn't quite justify it in mainstream terms. Is that right? Well, it's, you, you've been on the panel, haven't you? Yeah, well, well, there wasn't a panel prize when I was there. Ah, I think they start... Well, when Foster's took over, I think they kind of started... Uh, they, they started the panel prize, and I think it was for... It, it's all to do with the kind of spirit of the fringe and a show or a person that contributed to the overall spirit of the fringe. I mean, Peter Buckley Hill won it. Um, you know, uh, who else has won it? Adrian Truscott won it for a show. But mainly it's not shows, really, but it does give the panel a get-out uh, to award a prize to a show that is phenomenal, but too scary or weird or whatever to be on the main list. As in Adrian Truscott. Who As in too, Adrian too, Truscott. Too, too controversial, really, to give it a main prize. Absolutely, because... Oh, well, she won the Malcolm Hardy, it has to be said. She did win the Malcolm, the and increasingly prestigious Malcolm indeed. Hardy. Indeed, and, and in fact, in my mind, only in my mind, the, the Malcolm Hardy is for people, whereas the, the Foster's is for shows, mm. I would say. But, and therefore it's even more embarrassing that Richard Gadd didn't get it, but of course... The, I know. The person who did get it, of course, was Michael Brunstrom, and I think if we're going to talk weird... Oh, <laughs> but beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, the, I think we should emphasise, John, the Malcolm Hardy Award, the increasingly prestigious Malcolm Hardy Award, is... Is not just for weird. It's no. not weird, although, to be fair, most of the winners have been a bit weird. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's that one... I, I, and I think it's becoming more and more uh, relevant, more and more prestigious. And more and more weird. Um, in that it's, it's, it celebrates uh, originality, as indeed is suggested... It, it, it celebrates that kind of performer who is happy to plough his or her own creative furrow. Or it. Uh, we should, Which is how I see it. For, for people who don't know about it, the, the main award at Malcolm Hardy is the Malcolm Hardy Award for, for Comic Originality, we decided to call it, which is that's that. So, I mean, uh, Richard Gadd was Comic Originality, but uh, Michael Brunstrom, in a sense, was... He was able to outweird almost anybody, really. Well, no, you see, I... Mm. Okay, okay. Originality, uh, I think Gad was incredibly clever. I think he's brilliantly talented. I think he's incredibly brave, which always sounds a bit patronising. But if he has an idea or a concept or whatever, he will follow it through ad absurdum, as those of us who have a Latin hire would say. Um, but, you know, it's not... It's not and I, I really don't mean this in a, in a critical way, it's not totally original. To have a multimedia yes, yes, show yeah, yeah. where some people are, are working against 
something happening on screen is not massively <coughs> original. Yeah. To have uh, the idea of somebody turning up late for his own show while someone's on stage desperately trying to cover, that is not <coughs> remotely original. You know, to have backstory where somebody who appears, oh, hello, it's me, I'm lovely, is an absolute bastard behind the scenes, is not remotely original. So it's not, I don't think, for me, it's not original. It's, it just takes all those ideas and runs further, faster and better with them than anyone has before. But somebody like... So, so that's ruined the show for anyone who hasn't seen it. But, uh, um, and Michael Brunstrom. Michael Brunstrom is... Michael Brunstrom is sui generis. <laughs> there is, that is, he is, he is his own special creation, and it's, it's fabulous. You are never going to get anything remotely like Michael Brunstrom, and you'd feel none of it. <coughs> you just know he has not kind of sat down and gone, I'm going to show how weird can I get. This is just stuff that comes out of him and his... his fertile, febrile imagination. I mean, he has an ironic trowel. Who else has an ironic trowel? He has a tiny fern. He, uh, uh, the only thing I can see happening elsewhere is the GBH to a copy of a Jeremy Clarkson book, and I think that is, uh, that is roundly to be applauded. Don't you? I think it always did be a Also, there was a slight problem with Richard Gadd in that it is for, really is for the person, comic originality of the person. And there was again this problem that uh, he wasn't doing his own show. And therefore, he wasn't, he was in his own show on, on tape and at the very end, but a lot of it was actually performed by other people. Mm. So it was, it was complicated, complicated to give the prize to him. Whereas with Michael Brunstrom on the stage uh, in various guises with ping pong balls for, for an hour was different. Anyway, that's yeah, I mean, the, the, as I say, the, the heart of what Richard Gadd is, <coughs> is a dirty, angry boy. And I also feel slightly bad, especially as I saw a show a couple mm. of days ago, yes, of Spencer Jones, who I think we should probably have nominated, or I should probably have nominated. And I feel slightly bad about that, because he is very... Well, well he, is, he is very original, except... He, he says he's not. He says, he's a prop comic. He, he's, a prop, he's a brilliant He's, he's a prop brilliant comic. prop comic with, with bits... He, he says Crossed with, with a with, clown. He says with bits of clowning and bits of Tommy Cooper, which yes. I hadn't quite twigged until he mentioned it. Oh, didn't you see... Oh, Tom, uh, yeah. you don't read my reviews, John. You do reviews? I take, <laughs> I take that as a personal insult. I believe I name-checked Tommy Cooper. Did you? Yes, I believe I name-checked Tommy Cooper, Mr Bean, Eric Morecambe. Eric Morecambe? Eric Morecambe? Yes, Eric Morecambe. Why Eric Morecambe? Uh, that the, w the, the kind of thing that he shares, sort of, with Tommy Cooper, the, the incredible <coughs> personal warmth and likability, so that just a particular kind of smile at the audience and the audience is falling about the place. You know, it seems like he, all he does is, you know, adjust his specs and it's hilarious. And um, you, you do the same, of course. And, and in fact, you've just fallen off your chair there, yes. readers, oh. listeners, viewers. Um, I adjusted my specs, he fell off his chair laughing, silently. Um, I, I think Spencer is just a joy. I think he's a... Great force for good in the world. Sorry, Spencer, I'm very embarrassed. But, but, yeah. but all of that doesn't put him in league. I'm, and I'm saying it's a higher league, it's a, a, a different league of Michael Brunstrom. I don't think there is a league that Michael Brunstrom's in. Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, or indeed, you know, Johnny Sorrell, those guys. Yes. 
yeah. they, they kind of, they're in their own little world. Although, I did write in my review, I'll maybe email it to you, John, if I can be bothered to remember your email address. Um, John at thejohnfleming.com. Yeah, you're at what, you're who? Why are you here? I, um, I sometimes wonder. <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? Spencer, it must be wonderful to be inside Spencer Jones' head and see the world how he sees it. Because, you know, I, you or I would see a vacuum cleaner. He sees, a, you know, a whole character with, you know, he sees fun in everything. That's rather complicated, because it must be bizarre to be inside Michael Brunstrom's head. But in fact, in fact, Spencer is actually an actor, isn't he? Therefore, I suspect he's more, not in a bad way, but he's more calculating, I suspect. Yeah. I, I suspect Michael Brunstrom does it on instinct. And uh, that's where and, I think and, the Hardy and, Award comes in. And intellect. He, it's he's, the Michael Brunstrom very intelligent, but I think he does a lot he's of an instinct. Editor, isn't he? he edits books, uh, serious books, serious uh, factual books, yes. Marvellous. Marvellous. You see, and again, that's, that's an added layer to the glory of it all. And even more embarrassing, two, two days ago I was watching uh, Spencer, Spencer Jones at Pull the Other One and Michael Brunstrom was just almost falling off his chair with laughter. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, excellent. But, he, I mean, Spencer is... It just, it's just... It's wonderful. You know, it's, it? He could brighten up the saddest of days. Oh, bless. Mm. Oh. So, but, no, the Herbert is... And I, well, I don't understand why the bloody... All right, I'm going to say it, John. The Perriers... <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't nominate Spencer. Uh, I don't know. Well, I think I think he said he had about six judges in. Mm. So they did see him. Uh, you know, genuinely, I think that uh, I said it before. I'll say it again. Although um, there are a few people, actual people that I know that I admire more than I admire Nika Burns. I think she's an incredible woman who has done incredible things for comedy. I, I think. She's so genuine and she's given so much. I don't know why she's not a fucking dame. There's obviously been some kind of mistake. Well, if, if your ceiling falls on the punters, it's not good, is it? That's not her fault. <laughs> and she did, you know, it's... Mm, nothing. That was nothing to do with her. Anyway, I think she's an incredible woman, an incredible force for good in theatre and comedy and live performance. Yes, she is. But I do think that the Fosters are becoming more and more relevant only to the industry. So it's all about it. But that whole list, everybody on that list, it just seemed like, ooh, you can see the, the, them popping up on Radio 4 Extra or telly or something. They've all got slots, even the clowny ones. You, know, you go, well, they could go there, they could go here. There was no, um, there was no flash of... Genius. Also, I don't know if they still do, but they, they brought in members of the public as judges. Yes, they which always are do. Terrible idea, I think. Well, to be fair, they don't know what they want. Well, to be to be fair, they are, they they have to go through a much more stringent process than any of the industry judges, and it's just as this, possible, if not, you know, more likely that you're going to find some numpty who's some kind of line producer for a BBC comedy, but but really, you know, there are some very dull people. Working in professional comedy, John. So you've given up working in television again. I right? have indeed, yes. But no, there are some very, very dull people. And there are, there are people... Yes, but they, they can spot talent, though. Where, where no, the, what do you the... mean they can spot talent? Well, no, no, I take it back, I take it back. But Wash me, your but, mouth out. Look, have another crunchy biscuit. But, but <laughs> While John's munching on the cr punchy, crunchy biscuit... No, they, of course they can't. Otherwise, a completely different lot of people would be on telly. 
and the programmes that are on telly would be much better instead of little little comedy, you know, production line sausages that they are. It's, I mean, somebody, I can't remember who it was, when I started working in telly said to me, there is a reason why television is called a medium. Because, you know, that's, it's, and even, I even said to, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this, I hope she doesn't mind, uh, I bumped into Nika Burns. And um, uh, uh, I was say, I always, you know, I said to her, "Oh, have you has have these have the, has the panel been to see uh, Jesse Cave? Jesse Cave, Jesse Cave, Jesse Cave." And Nika said, "Oh, Marmite," which I can understand. You know, some people loathed her, some people loved her. Marmite's almost a compliment. And, well, exactly. And I said, "But isn't that great?" And she said, "Well, you know, it divided the panel." And I said, "Well, so what are you going for? Lowest common denominator?" And I, I think. It made me think, I suppose, because it comes to a vote at the end. That's exactly what it is. It's the kind of blandy people that everybody liked. You know, it's the, it's, it's the Mirandas and the, the Jack Whitehalls. And I'm not saying, you know, Jack Whitehall, he was a little, you know, little superstar when he started. But then now he's a very smart boy with a very smart dad. And they know... And a very smart mum. And a very... I haven't met his mum. Um... And they, they know where to go, just how much to dumb yourself down to keep yourself, you know, in a lot of of work and in a lot yeah. of television programmes. And it is. It's lowest common denominator. Now, that lowest common denominator might be different. You know, 20 years ago, the lowest common denominator was <coughs> Les Dawson. It was Barry... It was Michael Barrymore. It's been... And nowadays... <laughs> Great. Um, you know, we've just... It's still, and, and I don't think an award should be looking at being given, that doesn't even make sense, that a panel, a judging panel, should not be looking to give an award to the lowest common denominator. There needs to be people on that panel passionate enough to, you know, to do the, the 12 angry men thing, persuade the rest of, you know, the, the, the brilliance in somebody who's, I'm not saying Jessie Cave should have won, and I, she is Marmite, and I thought I would hate her, and I loved her. It's an extraordinary performance. But, you know, I, I really think that it's, it's a worry that almost everybody on that list was so forgettable. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, mean, I could be talking bollocks. I, I'm just wary of... You're pub- talking bollocks? Yeah, Surely it's some mistake. I mean, I, 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 you, you were suggesting I'm talking bollocks next, John. Too, too <laughs> dangerous, too dangerous. Not about, I mean, the number of times I've seen research done by... Market research done on audiences by ITV and by the BBC. And whenever you ask people what they want, they say they want serious documentaries. Mm. And they don't want light entertainment. Yes. And they want light entertainment. The, the figures are, if you give them a serious documentary of the type that they're talking about, they switch off in their yeah. droves. They don't want serious stuff. They, want, they want light, yeah. fluffy stuff. There, there's, there's... But, but also in, in entertainment, in comedy and things like that, they, they don't know what they want. They, they can't see what the potentials are. So if you give them some crap series like endlessly on BBC... No, that's bollocks. Carry on. No, well, B- BBC... No, that's, that's bollocks. I am, t- I am talking bollocks now, but no, I, haven't, I haven't yet recovered from the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. But well, interestingly, two days ago, as I said, I saw Spencer Jones, who I would have thought might be... You've uh, already said this about five minutes ago, John. Do you remember that? No, this, this is a callback. We've got right. in the trade. Hey. Hey. Uh, and uh, I saw him... And I would have thought he might be an acquired taste and he might be... 
comedians might like him, but the public, he might be a bit too wacky for the, the public. And they loved him. This yeah. was an ordinary, it wasn't even really a, a comedy club going audience. It was, it more, was a, it pull was, the other one. It was pull the other one, but it was in a new venue, which is, and it really got younger people, and it was more or less the, the, the music disco uh, type audience rather than pure comedy audience you normally get. I'm and devastated they, that you didn't me up and ask me to come along. Well, I, didn't, I didn't know you were interested in comedy. <laughs> Touche, Mr. Fleming. You should do reviews. Uh, <laughs> anyway, where are we going with this, this podcast? Uh, Spencer, um, Spencer, Spencer Jones? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, and, and members of the public oh, love yeah, well, yeah, Yes, I think it's very dodgy normally to ask members of the public what they want because they, they, they don't know what they want and they can't see talent that may develop in a, a direction different to what they But you they could be see. talking about very many uh, comedy commissioning editors working in television today as well. They don't know what they want. Uh, you show them 120 things. They know what they want when they see it, but they don't know... To an extent. I mean, but the trouble with commissioners is that they go for what they think is safe. Mm. And, and also, it's nowadays, they're, they're trying to turn it into a science. They have, they have oh, market God. research. And, yes. I mean, there is, there is the great, which I keep quitting in my incredibly influential blog, uh, uh, Adventures in the Screen Trade by William Goldman. Yes. The, the current phrase is, nobody knows anything that you yes. can... You can have the most experienced person in the world put all of the perfect things together in all the perfect market research ways, and it's a flop. Yeah. Or you can have something shit like the Blair Witch Project. Uh, direct, director, producer, actors, cinematographers yeah. don't know what they're doing. Uh, not very well done technically, yeah. but it's a great film as far as the public's concerned. Goes through the roof. Yeah. And, 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 and then look what happens in the wake of that. Yeah, yeah, you get yeah, twenty-five yeah. Blair yeah, Witch yeah. Project type films. Yeah. And so, if a commissioning editor. And also, a commissioning editor may just talk to his chums in the Groucho Club or the Soho, mm. Soho House. Uh, so I was on a series which shall be nameless, and it shall be nameless. Okay. I was on a series which, before I arrived, I was, I was on series two, and I think tripled its audience during the course of series one. In the course of series two, it, 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 it audience dropped to a third of what it was. It went back to where it was. Yeah, do you, think, do you the, think that's anything to do with you, John? <laughs> but as far as the producer was concerned, it was a vast triumph. But as far as everyone else was concerned, it was a vast triumph because they were only talking to their friends in the Groucho Club. Yes. Uh, and so they thought it was a success, and it, and it became a success, and it went on to bigger and better things. But in fact, if you actually looked at the figures, it wasn't a success. I don't know where that leads me, because I am talking gibberish, but... Uh, and that's all right, you're still getting over the Edinburgh Festival. I am. Well, I don't know getting over it. I uh, can't believe you were there, and I hardly saw you at all. <laughs> Well, this is true. We were sharing a flat and we, we saw each other for I about ten, 10 minutes, if that, because we were out... Six. But you do make an excellent cup of tea. Uh, well, eventually. Well, I, I was seeing seven shows today. You said you were seeing eight or nine. No wonder well, you Well, no, I, I saw... As usual, you, you kind of hit the ground running and then it yeah. tails off yeah. as I end up in a plastic bag. Now, we were talking earlier, John, about rather an exciting development in the life of the Grouchy Club. We were. Uh, remind me, because I'm a bit uh, doddery. Well, apart from the fact that we will, of course, be back in Edinburgh next year, uh, we, were, we were talking about, perhaps, by public demand, well, by our, my demand, that, no, uh, we're thinking of doing some live grouchies down here, once a month, to be precise. In London, at the Mamma Shara shop, in yes. the back of the Mamma Shara shop, because you very successfully uh, did, did previews for Edinburgh shows in space at the back. And yeah, I don't know if it perfor- was... Performers liked it. Performers loved it. Uh, audiences turned up in their twos, uh, but... Depend, the te- depended on, on the performer. Depended on the performer. If pulled his finger out. But it's a lovely, it's a really nice space, and you can bring your own booze, and it's all very relaxed. Mm. And um, we have such an enormous amount of fun during Edinburgh at yeah. the Grouchy Club. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. 
Have another chocolate biscuit, John. Oh, and a cough. You. Just have a cough. Why not have a cough? <coughs> well done. There we go. Um, <laughs> now that's what I call a cough. Um, that we thought we'd do it here. What, what dates had we settled on? We were talking about uh, the second Tuesday of the month. The second th- Tuesday be, of the month. Be, because you're off to, uh, to uh, Kenya. Kenya, uh, yes. And the 14th of this month, uh, August. Uh, no, it's August, it's September. It's September. Uh, we were thinking of the 13th of what October. What were you doing in uh, August, John? I don't know, I can't remember. Mm, me neither. Uh, uh, Sorry, you were saying? We, we were thinking of doing it live in, the, in Shepherd's Bush, London, uh, 6.30 in the evening on the 13th of October, 10th of November, 8th of December, and a special Christmas one on the 22nd of December, because I want to see you dressed as a fairy. That's fine. Well, I thought I might come as the evil queen. But as I said, uh, humorously, I felt, Lawrence Owen, in fact, is the, the, the winner of the, the Malcolm Hardy, most likely to win a million quid uh, star, Lawrence Owen, is the wee evil queen in his uh, Disney pastiche. That's true. I could not better Lawrence Owen's evil queen. No. It's a spectacularly good evil queen. It is, and will attract gays everywhere. Although Indeed. He, although he isn't, of course. But, uh... no, he's, a, he's a tragic loss to the gay community. <laughs> he's like the perfect gay man, Why? except that he's straight. Why is he a perfect gay man? Well, uh, he's cute. He's, you know, he's, he's very, you know, physically he's very trim. Uh, as I say he's attractive, dresses very well. Uh, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of musical theatre, sings like a little demigod, plays piano, and minces like a trooper. Actually, he does do a very good mince, it has to be said. He has a Sorry, fabulous Lawrence. Sorry, mince. Sorry, Lawrence. Uh, um, and married. he has very fluid arms, which is very important. Is this having an attractive quality in a man? Very. Oh. Very. Um, yeah, so 13th of October would be the first one. Um, I'm assuming that once you, you put this uh, up on the line, this will be uh, on, on the interweb... This will be on uh, grouchyclub.co.uk and on my uh, two Facebook uh, accounts, my Google Plus account, my Twitter, uh, and elsewhere, my, my increasingly prestigious blog. Uh, Good grief. Blog.thejohnofleming.com. Wow. Without, uh, without a WWW. So, I mean, if you want to let us know whether you think it's a good idea or a completely shit idea, because people are relieved that there's no more grouchy after the fringe. And although in this podcast you and I just chatter on to each other, exactly. on, the, the idea in the live grouchy clubs at the, at the fringe and elsewhere is that, in fact, uh, it's for the industry, or for, for people in show business and the media, and we just have a general sort of chat. To mm. So it's not just us chatting with people watching us, it's, it's interaction. We interact with the audience. We get a lot of interaction with the audience. Well, that's between you and whoever you interacted with. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh, and we might have, uh, as we have had various grouchies, if people come along, uh, they might stand up and do five minutes. Yes, yeah. Um, they, they might juggle silently. They, they might, might do, juggle might, silently. They might, might do mime. They might remove clothes. Oh, yes. Uh, have a, yes, OK, right. And, uh, yeah, so... And if there's anything uh, that you particularly want to discuss, then... Bring your itch along and we will scratch it. And it, like the podcast, is not necessarily... You didn't even wince when I said that. What? Bring your itch along and we will scratch it. I should wince? Well, I thought you might. It's a very ghastly uh, metaphor. You didn't... You weren't even listening, probably, were you? Hello, my name's Kate Copstick. Hello. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, mm. what, what did you do? Uh, very... As little as possible, oh, as they say. No, you... Aha! Aha! Hilarious. Oh, oh, look, hey, there's a man, man dressed as a, a, a giraffe. 